Welcome in to the newest edition of the Justin Time Sports Podcast. I am your owner and host, Justin Jackson. And this week's episode, we'll be talking about the NFL, what's going down in week 14 and 15. We'll be talking about the NBA, what's happening there. And of course, we'll have our Jacks High Take. Now, as always, don't forget to like, link, and subscribe to the Justin Time Sports Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And don't forget to turn on the post notifications and follow all Justin Time Sports social medias, including on X. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Threads. Now, as always, don't forget to sit back and get ready to learn something. Season 4, episode 37 of the Justin Time Sports Podcast. As always, I am Justin Jackson, your owner and host of soon to be Big Justin Time Sports News. We'll be starting to get guests on more often. Uh, obviously, we need for most of the time, but once a month, maybe twice a month, I'll be starting to get in some guests um, so you guys will be able to hear from another voice other than mine. Although I know you guys are trying to listen to me. Uh, appreciate all you guys. Again, social media is blowing up. Instagram is growing. It feels like every day. Uh, Facebook is also growing as well. So I appreciate you guys big time. Need to get that X engagement up. Uh, TikTok's growing as well too. Need to get that X engagement up. Uh, but other than that, man, I appreciate all of you guys for what you are doing to support the podcast. Um, but let's jump right into it. Uh, none of the nitty gritty. Let's jump right into it. NFL Week 14. Again, sorry for the delay. One day delay, guys. Uh, I know usually show usually comes out Thursday morning. It's gonna come out Friday morning. My apologies on that. I just didn't have it in me. And I told you guys before, uh, I missed the week. I just wasn't feeling it. Or uh, not feeling well either. Um, I don't want to give you guys a subpar show for the sake of putting out a subpar show. Um, I feel like if it's not my best effort, if it's not the best what I can give you, then I'd rather not put out any show as opposed to putting out something that's half-hearted and half-effort. Um, so that's definitely how I feel about that. So I wasn't feeling it yesterday. Uh, wasn't feeling the energy. Didn't feel like I could deliver the product to you guys. You guys deserve and need. Um, and so I'm going to deliver it today. Or Friday, I should say. So I won't discuss Thursday Night Football. Um, because it happened before I actually get a chance to speak on it. Or by the time you get a chance to hear it. So I won't do anything. Uh, I won't do anything such as discuss Thursday Night Football. Because again, you guys won't even hear it. It's kind of a moot point. But anyway, enough about what I want to talk about. Let's talk about what I do talk about, want to talk about. Apparently, the best two quarterbacks in the league last week was Tommy DeVito and Zach Wilson. Imagine me saying the names Tommy DeVito and Zach Wilson will win NFL Player of the Week awards in the NFL season. Imagine if I told you that three months ago. Imagine if I'd have told you they would do it in the same exact week. Imagine if I told you they would do it on bad teams. Imagine if I told you that someone named Tommy DeVito was starting for the Giants anyway. Oh, Zach Wilson started. Imagine if I told you Zach Wilson was starting for the Jets. Like, so much about this is off. It's honestly mind-boggling. But they earned it. 
uh, Tommy DeVito with his uh, mob boss looking agent um, played a great game against the Packers. Not a very good quarterback. I admit, I admit, it was a down week for quarterbacks. Not a lot of quarterbacks in the Also, a lot of QB injuries. Uh, Raiders are on a backup. Um, you know, Giants are on their third string. Jets are on their backup. But you that one player of the week. The Patriots are starting their backup. The Steelers are starting their backup as well. Like, it's not a good. The Browns are on their backup. The Bengals are on their backup. The Seahawks played their backup. Uh, not a lot of week one starters still running around the league. The Chargers officially lost Herbert. We'll discuss that later. Um, but it is actually insane the fact that Tommy DeVito and Zach Wilson played the week. I don't know. I thought it was going to the Tommy DeVito game, but that's still mind boggling. But Tommy DeVito played well against the Packers. He ran the offense. Saquon Barkley carried his load, um, and it was he was able to dice apart the Packers defense. Never really had any back breaking moments. Obviously, he got the win. Um, the Packers team is a, one of those teams that late in the season they're still going to fight hard and they're going to play hard they're going to play hard for Matt LaFleur I wouldn't want to play the Packers that's a team you'll see the record and your brain might relax a little bit and then they'll beat you um, so I don't want to play the Packers it's not an organization I don't want to see right now but the Giants got it done um, the way the Giants are playing hard for Brian Dable I wouldn't want to play the Giants right now either if you're a good team you want to play those teams kind of giving up um, see Carolina. Carolina's going to play hard, but they're, just not, they're not a threat. Chicago trying to help out their draft position. They might start having calf pulls and growing injuries over these last few weeks. But that Packers team, they're going to fight and they're going to scrap. Uh, Matt LeFleur didn't believe in that. Their board of directors, because they don't have an owner, uh, their board of directors doesn't believe in that sort of thing. They go out and try to compete every single day and every single week. So that Packers team is not a town want to play. Ain't like the Giants' world beaters. Not like the Giants' Super Bowl contenders. And like Tommy DeVito and Saquon Barkley pretty much uh, sliced and diced uh, that Packers defense uh, to the tune of Tommy DeVito winning Player of the Week. And then Zach Wilson played Houston in a game I just knew was going to be a CJ Stroud. Like, not coming out party, but a game he played well. Um, and not because the Jets defense is bad. They're actually really, really good. But I figured Zach Wilson put him in a few bad spots. Domingo Lyon picks in Zach Wilson. Zach throws a couple of awful interceptions. One maybe a big six, one down inside the 30. Stroud takes advantage, two touchdowns. Kicks three or four more field goals. You know, and they win with a weird score of like 26 to 10. Or something like that. You know, it's kind of how I imagine the game going. The game didn't go like that at all. Zach Wilson was the one slicing and dicing. CJ Stroud ends up with a concussion. He's, like, he's still in the concussion protocol as of the time of this recording. Um, and, you know, just slicing and dicing with Zach Wilson, running up, running when he's necessary, throwing on time passes, you know, looking like a guy who asked his coach to be the starter again. Like, look like a guy who wants to be in the moment, who wants to have that time in the sun, who knows that his time in New York is probably ending and that he needs to put some decent tape out there, maybe he can get traded for a good, a decent round pick. And someone took a chance on him. But kudos to Zach Wilson and Tommy DeVito for winning NFC and AFC Player of the Week. You know, for the Jets and for New York football in general. The Baltimore Ravens and the Los Angeles Rams went into a hell of a game. A hell of a battle. Uh, went into overtime. Lamar Jackson made it a ridiculous play. He dances around somebody, stops, fires it on the money. Um, to the guy dragging his feet in the corner of the end zone. I mean, great play by Lamar. Uh, you got some moments like that from him this season. 
where he's like, oh my God, he's amazing. And then you have probably just as many, what in the, was that Lamar? Um, and so that is something that I think the Ravens have to go a little bit deeper into. Todd Munkers doing a great job as their offensive coordinator. Um, I'm seeing a lot of the similar routes. Mark Bowers ran, Mark Andrews is running them. Um, and so that is a natural transition. It's like, if, if the NFL GM had to perfectly map out who he wanted Brock Bowers to be, it'd be Mark Andrews. And so the fact that Todd Munkin was able to go straight from uh, uh, straight from Brock Bowers into Mark Andrews is an absolute goldmine for him in terms of his schematic advantage because they didn't have to scheme around the team without a good tight end. He had one of the better three tight ends in the NFL versus Kelsey Kittle and then Mark Andrews. Um, how are we going to work and how you order them? But he's one of the best three tight ends in pro football. And then the defense for the Ravens for the first time, or one of the first first couple of times, really was stressed out by the Rams. Uh, Sean McVay had a strategy going in, and he did his best to execute that strategy. Uh, Cooper Cup, Cooper Nakua, that's a dangerous combination. And of course, you have Matt Stafford putting the trigger. They were able to create time for Matt Stafford. He was able to put it on the money uh, for them. They needed a short run. You know, they would get the run in, and it was just a showcase of what uh, the Rams offensively could look close to being at the peak of its powers. Um, and it was just it was a very impressive show by the Rams. Uh, but the Ravens peeled it out. That's what I'm feeling with Lamar Jackson. Now, we talk about it. We'll talk about it more in the NBA. We talk about it more in basketball than more in football. Sometimes, it just the guy. Like, and you get that in basketball. Like, sometimes, ending out a patient strategy is just to be great. Problem was, you are playing any prime in the wrong teams. No matter what strategy it was, he was just better than him. You know, we talk about in hockey. You know, sometimes there's great, uh, those teams were played in the Canadian teams. Problem was, they had a win rescue. He was just really better than you. Um, he was in those series. It's, you know, it's just like sometimes the strategy doesn't matter because the execution of their strategy is so much better because he is their strategy, right? And that's kind of how I feel about the Baltimore Ravens game. It's like Lamar Jackson's really, really good, and he'll he'll cover the warts of, of schematic inefficiencies and shortcomings because he's just that good. He'll he'll just make up for stuff that should not be made up for because he's just that level of um, football player and football IQ and Lamar is just, just ridiculous. So he was able to make up for some of the defensive lackadaisicalness. Um, and of course, lead the game and touchdown drive. Something is wrong in Kansas City. Like, something is terrible. It, it, it reminds me of a high school musical line by Sharpay, who played by Ashley Tisdale. And she sings, it's not what I want, it's not what I plan, and I just gotta say, I do not understand. That's, so, that's gotta be what's going on in the Chiefs meetings. Like, this is not the plan. I don't know what's going on. But I can firmly say I do not understand. Like, Receiver issues aside, yes, Kadarius on the bottom of all sides. Um, yes, they had a game where it was just full of drops. 
right? But there's certain games, like there's a few games here, but that didn't happen. And the offense was flat out anemic. It's like it hurt them to score. Um, it was just, they don't look right without Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy's got the commanded offense looking pretty solid, especially Sam Howell. Those guys in Kansas City do not look great. Like, they looked all right two years ago. And that was the first year that I was out still just about the fly time. Now, they pretty much have assembled a team that has a few Tyreek Hill adjacent style players. Sky Moore, uh, Kadarius Tony. They brought back Google and Hartman. Like, and it's all for the same purpose. And that is to be fast. To be fast. They're on a brace and they're going to top off the defense. Because it made the Chiefs so hard to defend is the fact that not only did you have to defend the run game, not only did you have to film a shallow cross game, any given moment, the wrong step is a 50-yard touchdown on your head. And so that's what made the Chiefs so dangerous. Without some of these guys, they're not nearly as dangerous. And the enemy has got the uh, commanded offense great with Sam Howell. And I don't want to even put Sam Howell and Patrick Mahomes in the same breath. And so the fact that the enemy had those guys rolling, they missed it. Maybe we can talk about it's just a growth thing, it's whatever. They missed every enemy. Terrible. Oh, every day, every single second of every day, they missed every enemy. And, and I don't know if it's from a connection standpoint, because more of your players don't like them. So it came up from the action standpoint. It must just be I'm allowed to devil's advocate Belichick. I'm allowed to slow Belichick. Now in the grand scheme of life, if you want to go for it, it is what it is. But I'm allowed to slow Belichick down. And because of which that may keep the patience out of that spot. Well there's no one right now in Indy to control Andy Reid's impulses. If he wants to do something insane, he can do it. If he wants to sit back in the homes, that back in the homes tell him to do something insane, he can do that as well. There's nothing stopping him from just being defeated. Uh, and so, I think that's the case that Airbnb and Andy Reid had attacks. Like, Andy Reid's been so creative and all this stuff, but the enemy's looking like a day to day, we don't need that. We gotta do this, 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 this. The next day, we gotta do this, 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 that. The next thing you gotta go this, that, 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 this. The next thing you gotta go all that, real big, all this. Oh, uh, but you gotta continue to wear your um, your your car, your ID card, as much as humanly possible. Dallas absolutely destroyed the Philadelphia Eagles. Talk about something going on KC, something going on Philly. Oh, um, they got absolutely right by the ass Cowboys. Yeah, absolutely before that. Like, something is desperately wrong with the Eagles. Like, bad, bad defeats, back-to-back in the end, two contenders, and the Niners and the Cowboys. <sighs> I mean, the Niners, I said out-physical them, because the Niners are physical to everybody. Everyone loses the week after the Niners. It was something like, like the Niners last year, something like, oh, and 18 or 19 in the season, maybe one team won that game. They physically wear on you and beat on you so much, it's hard to stand up and withstand um, that level of punishment uh, from the night. So they went to the game, probably a little sore, probably a little beat up. Um, and then they went to the Dallas game, 
and Dallas came out, of course, the Fumbles were a pretty physical football team themselves, and they were able to dominate the Eagles as well. The Eagles, whose mark is so mark, whose mark so long was offensive line, physical toughness, is now getting shoved around uh, by division rivals. You know, hell yeah, Jalen Carter wanted to do something to lock him because he is absolutely fed up. He's frustrated. He's the more losing this year than he had. Probably tied Curry of Alabama. He's just annoyed, you know. He's just really, really frustrated. Um, and I think that has to do with the fact that he absolutely destroyed the Eagles. He wants to be a linebacker. Um, I don't know if he and they're a really good roster. I just don't know if they're speeding up to go compete for a title. Because they're a really great roster. I just don't think they're speeding up enough right now to go compete for a title. Me and Philly believe they are. I believe they are not uh, schematically just there yet. They're ready yet to go compete for a title. Oh, reports out of New England stated that Belichick's job is already over. Oh, and that the team has already decided to move on and initially part ways with Belichick at the end of the year. Um, now, my thing was, why wait to the end of the year? Because you can simply do it now and allow Belichick to go free, go rest up for the rest of the year, and then sign a free agent coaching deal uh, who will have a long three months left who's going to do the Chargers. Now, I say you should go to the Chargers. But if you're going to, I say keep Belichick. But if you're gonna move on, you gotta make sure the guy replacing him is really good. Draw Mayo has no head coaching experience. I trade whatever Belichick is traded for, plus a first, plus probably a future second for Mike Braver right now. Oh, Braver is legit. He's home in New England. He knows the Patriots way. He's got head coaching experience, unlike Mr. Pierce, um, and unlike Gerard Mayo, uh, two men out here swirling around trying to pitch Gerard Mayo, and so therefore. Um, I again, I say Keith Belichick is gonna move on, get an experienced guy like a Mike Vrabel take over, and of course, hire a general manager. And then lastly, Justin Herbert is out officially out for the rest of the year after following his finger surgery. He's officially out the rest of the season. The Chargers disappointing season just got worse. Um, and I wonder if this ironically saved Brandon Staley's job. And they were looking awful beforehand, but I think the race next year, he's either going to make or break his job. I feel like he goes out there and plays pretty decent. He might save his job. The team packs up the tent and goes home. It may, it may break his job or, you know, finally solidify to the owner that the Chargers uh, head coach is a disaster. But up next, we're going to talk about NFL Week 15. What's going down Versus Easton Stick. Um, no Josh Jacobs for the Raiders tonight. Uh, I would take the under on whatever those points is. Take the under. 
Uh, I take the Chargers to win the game. Doesn't matter. Um, so, to be honest, it doesn't matter at all. I would say I would take the under on the points. I'll make a little easy money tonight. But again, the battle of Easton Stick versus Aiden O'Connell. Just again, like there's so many backup quarterbacks running around the league, um, including in the first matchup I'm gonna talk about, Cincinnati versus Minnesota. Easy battle of Logan Browning or Jake Browning. My apologies. Um, against the Chargers, like the Vikings. Excuse me. Just named a new starter. Oh, oh man, it's upsetting because they had Josh Dobbs there for years. Um, who's the new starter there? Hold on. Look up on my page. I know I posted about it. Um, the new starter in Minnesota. Um, man, this is upsetting because it says a new starter in Minnesota because they benched. Uh, oh, the new starter is Nick Mullins. Uh, I remember he was in San Francisco for a few years. Um, he was there just go for a few years. Got some training ground there. Uh, was in Minnesota before. They cut him, brought him back kind of thing. Um, but Nick Mullins is the starting quarterback uh, for the Minnesota Vikings this week. So, big news out of Minnesota. They like said Nick Mullins draws the start. And he goes against Jake Browning, who has been remarkably efficient. They're actually starting to compare Jake Browning's numbers to Joe Burrow's numbers. Uh, he's been pretty remarkably efficient there for Cincinnati. Um, very high key quarterback rating, looked pretty well. But again, the supported cast for the, the Bengals is healthy. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and I speak about that uh, a lot when it comes down to my gripe with San Fran starting quarterback Brock Purdy. Your supporting cast is almost so good, it doesn't matter who's their quarterback. Right? And when you're in a situation like that, so the supporting cast is insane in San Fran. It's not as good as Cincinnati, but you still have Joe Mixon. You still have T. Higgins. You still have Jamar Chase. You still have Zach Taylor calling the plays. The O-line is still not great, but it's manageable. Um, and so when you um, have a situation like that, Jake Brown is coming in and he's just driving the ship. They're not asking him to make the big... You know, Jamar Chase versus the corner, put the ball on the outside shoulder. They're not asking him to make that play uh, too many times, but he did make one against Jacksonville. It was a beautiful throw up the sideline to Jamar for a big touchdown. Um, but for the most part, he's just, you know, driving the boat and the defense is stepping up, protecting him. Um, and so they are absolutely rallying behind Jake Browning. Obviously, there's no quarterback controversy. You know, it was that weird time where uh, Cooper Rush was looking good for Dallas. And if you were wondering if Cooper Rush was going to take that Prescott's job, and I never entertained it for one second because it was a thing called finances. Um, and so that's what's, I mean, even if for some reason Jake Browning goes on this run and gets into the AFC Championship game, and all of a sudden people are wondering, oh my God, is Jake Browning going to take Joe Burrow's job? There's this thing called finances. Um, now, it would put the pressure on Joe Burrow to come back and maybe get, your super, get to and win a Super Bowl. But as far as taking Joe Burrow's job, no. Um, but he's looking good there. But the highlight of this battle isn't the quarterbacks. Um, Coaching-wise, it's not even head coach versus head coach. Uh, to be honest, it's not even um, um, Zach Taylor versus... Can't think of the Vikings head coach name right now. But it's not even about the head coaches. It's not about the coordinators. The battle's that receiver. 
uh, two of the best receivers in the league, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Of course, famously played on the 2019 LSU team together uh, with Joe Burrow, along with a baby of other NFL players. Um, they are in discussion for the best receiver in the league, and they're going to play each other. Justin Jefferson uh, was out for a while with an injury, took a big shot to the chest on uh, Sunday. He's going to play on Saturday. Uh, Jamar Chase started off incredibly slow, but that's partially due to Joe Burrow's calf injury. And then he's picking up and he's rolling. So they're unquestioned two of the top five. A lot of people have them two of the top three, along with like a Devontae Adams. Um, but they are battling for best receiver in the league. Um, to me, they're one and two. Um, I have Devontae Adams around three. I give a lot of respect to Mike Evans. I give a lot of respect to Keenan Allen. I give a lot of respect to Stephon Diggs. I'm sure I'm missing somebody. Um, but Jets, uh, Justin Jefferson, and Jamar Chase, the two LSU guys, are to me one and two in the league, hands down. They're both going to set the record for whatever the receiver total dollar for a contract is. They're both going to pass it, I would guess, by at least five or six million dollars. Um, so those two guys are the best receivers in pro football. It's not, I mean, it's close. I mean, Devontae Adams is right there, but those two guys just a hair bit better. Uh, youth also on their side as well. So that's going to be an interesting matchup to watch who comes out with their backup quarterback. Um, whether Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase have a better game, and if it's one of those better game because more targets or just a better game because they played better kind of thing, it'll be interesting to watch that matchup. You know, no Jack Pack this week, so I will pick the game. I think Cincinnati comes out with the victory. Uh, I do think in the battle of the receivers, I think Jefferson will have the better game. But I think that um, Cincinnati comes out, Joe Mixon, just a little bit too much for Minnesota to handle. Brian Flores do his best to take Chase out of the game. Um, so that'll probably open up the run game a little bit more for Joe Mixon. And they win an ugly close one, 23-20. Moving on to our next contest, we have Denver at Detroit. This is a game, admittedly, I've had circling on my calendar for about two or three weeks. And the reason why is Detroit's starting to slide down a little bit. Um, they look a little bit not like Detroit. They look like old Detroit. Um, not like the Detroit Lions got close to the scene. Uh, and the slide to me started right, right around the game, right before Thanksgiving. Uh, when well, Baltimore knocked all their luster off. And then, of course, Thanksgiving versus Jordan Love. And there's no real cracks in the armor. It's not like something you can see and go... That's it. I like that gif of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Wolf of Wall Street where he sits up and starts snapping like, I found it. Um, but, but there is starting to be small kinks in the Lions' armor. Like, they got smacked by the Bears last week. 2013 in Chicago. I mean, Chicago's actively trying to secure two top five picks. And you got blown out by Chicago. The Packers put it on you for Thanksgiving. Of course, that Ravens destruction in Baltimore uh, mid-early in the season. And it's just like, what's going on in Detroit? And you've got a Denver team that started off rough. But that Denver team is making believes up. They beat the Chargers 24-7 last week. That Denver team is 7-6 now after starting off, I believe, 1-3. Um, they're seven and six now. I mean, they, I'm sorry, they thought of Owen three because it all turned after that 70 point where the Dolphins tried to be nice and not break the points record. Um, 70 to 20 over the range, Jesus. Um, but you know, they go out and they beat the Bears and they lose to the Broncos, so they're starting off one and three. 
uh, one and four, I'm sorry. And since then, they're six and two uh, with, and they possess, I'm sorry, they fell off one and five. One, two, three, four, five. They fell off one and five. And since then, they're six and one. Um, and they possess wins over the Packers. They beat the Chiefs. They got the Bills. They beat the Vikings. They beat the Browns. Uh, they lost to the Texans. And then they beat the Chargers. So since they started off 1-5, they're 6-1 over their last seven. They're one of the hottest teams in the league. The Lions are struggling. So this was a game, again, people would have circled three weeks ago. And if, it, if I had to take three weeks out what games, you're probably looking at Detroit-Denver. Maybe Denver's in the middle of that win streak. Detroit was playing all right. Maybe it was a circle game. But this is kind of one of those games where Sean Payne goes on winning the game. team 8-6, and six, and they're firmly in the wild card picture. I mean, they have a legitimate chance to not only be seven, maybe six or five. And you have a team in Detroit that went from a division winner to you might not win your own division, um, which could put you in jeopardy with not even making the playoffs. I mean, just imagine that thought three weeks ago. Detroit was ahead in the division. By a couple of games, Denver was still staring up at a, a six, a six, well, five losses at that point. You know, they were a four and five football team. Detroit was looking at, you know, uh, or five and five football team, whatever. Detroit was looking at cruising into the playoffs. The division went up for the first time in X amount of years. Um, the, all the excitement was in Detroit. Denver was just trying to keep their head above water. And now you're looking at a situation where Denver come out of this week eight and six with all the momentum in the world. Sean Payton is like a freaking genius, by the way, um, with all the slander he gave Nathaniel Hackett. And, um, Potentially unwarranted, potentially un inappropriate, I say. It was warranted. Potentially inappropriate um, slander that was given to Nathaniel Hackett. Because it doesn't happen in the head coach fraternity. Like Sean Payton said, he had his CBS hat on, um, as opposed to his coaching hat. Um, but he ripped into Nathaniel Hackett about the coaching and the process and the aura and everything else um, about what's happening in. Um, in Denver, and again, you start off one and five, and everyone's saying Sean Payton is like an idiot. He looks like he just talked about things. Hack and look what he's doing. And since then, like I said, they're six and one. I'm one of the hottest teams, if not the hottest team in football, even though they're not really talked about that way. Um, so, because of that, I've got the Denver Broncos keeping their streak going. Yeah, they go into Detroit and they handle Detroit. Um, they figure their defense out. The offense, Russell Wilson's playing pretty well. Um, and I think they go in there and they handle Detroit uh, 27 to 13. I just don't think that Detroit right now is in a good spot. Can they reset? I don't know if that reset could be, but Denver's on rolling and they go in there and take about 27 13. The Chiefs at the Patriots. Now, this is a game that's intriguing for a variety of reasons. Now, I'm a Patriots fan. Admittedly, I'm rooting for us to lose. Why? Currently, we possess the second overall draft pick. Now, with three wins, we're not getting number one. I don't think Carolina wins all the game the rest of the season. The fact that um, Houston let them beat them is mind-boggling. That game might end up costing Houston either valuable seeding or a playoff spot in general, especially if CJ Stroud's out with a concussion. Like, that might be the game that twists the whole Texas season around and keeps them out of the playoffs because they don't possess the first-round pick this year. Um... They traded it in order to get Will Anderson. But regardless, the Patriots said at number two. Now, I know we're not making the playoffs. We're actually eliminated from the playoffs. There's no reason for us to win any games the rest of the season. There isn't. Belichick shouldn't have to win games to prove he's his job. 
Again, there's the reports about he's already gone. If that's the case, there's definitely no reason to win because if I'm handing a new coach a job, I want to have a culture night. I want to have a culture and a really and a chance at Drake May, J.D. Daniels, potentially Caleb Williams if Chicago talks themselves out of Caleb Williams, which we've seen crazier in the draft. Um, and so I'm not rooting for the Patriots to win this game. However, the Patriots have three wins. They come over the Dolphins, the Bills, and the Steelers. I'm sorry, the Jets, the Bills, and the Steelers. Two of those three franchises are in the playoff run. And the Jets have an outside chance. So really, all three teams are in the playoff run. They've lost teams. They've lost games to bad teams. But they have position wins over the Jets, the Bills, and the Steelers. There's something about this Patriots team when they play better opponents. When they play a team, they play up a little bit for those better teams. Now, that certain team is boat racing. Cowboys boat race them. Saints boat race them. But for the most part, if they lost, if they lose, it's close, and they've taken out some good teams. And there's something wrong with Kansas City. I think it's Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy, like I say, with the commander, I spoke about my last time, I won't dive off into it again. But there's something wrong with Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes flipped out after the Kadarius Tony offsides call. Which turns out to be a great call. Now, now, there has been multiple, and I mean multiple, um, angles and Chiefs fans. Um, there's lots of angles and angles online. Cool. There's multiple, a multitude of Chiefs fans online. That's right. They're screenshotting other receivers in the exact same alignment, not being called for offsides. Um, and saying, like, well, why this offside? I was offside. They the exact same. You know, they're complaining up in arms, whatever. Um, like, and I always find complaining post-game interesting. Like, the decision can be undone somehow or overturned or changed or anything of that sort. But whatever. Um, and so, you know, you have the Kadarius Tony incident number 1,000, it feels like, as a chief. Um, you still have no reliable deep threat. I mean, Travis Kelsey has resolved to catching the ball, having good yardage, and then throwing it back to Kadarius Tony for touchdown. Like, it worked. It didn't count, but it worked. Like, it's just, that's what the Chiefs' offense is boiled down into. And I think Bill Belichick, actually, I know, I'm a Patriots fan. I've watched him all my life. Bill Belichick, when then there's no deep threat, not really. I mean, I was going crazy about this game. It's probably going to drop it. Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony are guarded by one on one, and Travis Kelsey is not from this planet. So when there's no legitimate deep threat, turn raw speed. Could Miko Harmon's on IR still. There's no Tyree Hill to account for. I can clamp down and throw all kind of trap coverages and weird coverages at you because there's no one to burn through. There's no one just to run past it. Um, and with that being said, I think the Patriots get the upset here. And it would blow my absolute mind with frustration because that's the last thing I want. Um, however, it just feels like Belichick's got one last ah, in the tank. And if we win the game, I think we go from like second to third or fourth. Um, but I think Belichick has one more like I can still do this in him. And I think beating the Chiefs kind of ugly. Now, the Chiefs have a legitimate defense, but beating the Chiefs kind of ugly. 
um, 20 to 17 would be a ah, moment that Belichick has to be like, I can still do this. Um, so whether that incites a trade for another team, whether that incites the Patriots to let him do the last year of his contract, whatever. But I think that, you know, the Patriots get this game 20 to 17. Baltimore at Jacksonville. Um, that's an interesting one for a lot of different reasons. Trevor Lawrence, of course, still battling his ankle injury. Uh, Baltimore is one of those teams, one of those franchises that they've been destroying the teams. Uh, as Detroit, uh, was the ass uh, was the Chargers went in there and got absolutely wrecked with the Rams. So they went there and got absolutely destroyed. It was like two good teams back to back. Um, got absolutely manhandled by Baltimore. Now. They're not as dominant as they were when they many were considered the best team in the league. I think San Fran has, to me, firmly taken that mantle uh, as the best uh, team in the league. But that Baltimore team is real. Now, they have to go down. They have to go down to Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence and Dewey Ball uh, will be ready to go. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be high down there, close to what it is in Baltimore. Steamy, for sure, with the humidity. Uh, so maybe that affects some of the game. Um, I actually think Jacksonville gets the win here. Um, and that's just, and the reason why is it's at home for for Jacksonville. That humidity is different. That temperature could both say 80. The humidity in Jacksonville is different than the humidity in Baltimore. When we're talking Florida to um, Maryland, as far as um, what is happening. Actually, I'll look up the weather right now. So Jacksonville Sunday. Is projected a high of 69 with an 85 percent chance of rain, which to me lends itself to Baltimore, as opposed to Baltimore is 58 degrees, also 85 percent chance of rain. Um, so I would lend myself in this kind of game. What is not? I'm sorry, lend myself to Jacksonville because Jacksonville run game is more downhill. Baltimore is downhill with the catch. It's not a ball handling. Not a ball handling. I don't think it's a good Odell Beckham game. I don't think it's good as a Flowers game. You need those guys to run those quick routes in the rain, a slop field. It's not a good idea for them. Straight line speed, straight line running. That's when the game is good for those guys. I think Jacksonville here will create a lot of the pressure and creates a lot of the struggle here. And when you have a team that applies more of the pressure than another, it really affects whoever getting applied to. It's just in general. Um, pressure burst pipes, um, but it also creates diamonds. And I think that um, Baltimore Hill's gonna burst a little bit. Uh, they're riding high, but offensively, something's still off with them. And I think that the sloppy conditions are gonna affect their offense even more. I think Jacksonville's quick side of victory here, 27-24, in a game that'll be very tight late, and they end up coming down to who has the ball last. Um, and a couple of quick hitters: uh, Unique and Gakway uh, of the Chicago Bears. And Grand Delpit of the Cleveland Browns uh, head to injury reserve. And Dallas at Buffalo is my most interesting game of the week. Uh, two interesting offenses. Joe Brady has changed the way the Buffalo Bills offense looks a little bit. Uh, and Josh Allen seems a lot more comfortable. Feels a lot more free-flowing. Also, the defense is picked up. So maybe it was some battle of the minds between uh, Sean McDermott slash Wink Martindale and um, former offensive player Ken Dorsey. You know, play calling could be something that affects the defense, and it's just that sort of thing could be going on. Um, but kudos to uh, the Bills for getting it together. And, of course, Dallas coming off a very dominant game against Philly. 
maybe look at it and emotional letdown. So that is my highlight game of the week. Uh, got the Bills winning the game. Dallas doesn't bounce back from their emotional high. Um, and they lose a game they shouldn't lose. Uh, but they lose on the road at Buffalo uh, 27-20. to 20. But up next, we're going to shift to the NBA and talk about what's going down there. Shows they're pretty NFL heavy, football heavy show in general. But with college sports entering their postseason, shout out Jaden Daniels for the Heisman. Um, and a lot of it's a lot of bowl games now. We'll pretty much put the instant of the on the back burner at least for a couple of weeks because, of course, when the New Year's Six Bowls go down, uh, we will definitely be all over those. Um, you know, of course, New Year's Day they have the Cod Bowl. And Orange and the Sugar and Fiesta in the playoff games. And, and of course, a week later, the championship game. We'll be all over college football then. Uh, we're going to put them on the back burner for now. So, because of which, the NBA, which now is almost at the start, at the unofficial start of the season. A lot of fans, I know a few of them, say they don't watch the NBA until January. Or the unofficial start date is Christmas. I know several people, myself included, that wants the NBA to get out of the NFL's window entirely. Like, we get it. The playoffs, we understand. But if you're going to be 82 game season, and you're not going to avoid the Olympics anymore, their only problem is the Olympics. But that's a problem every four years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or the World Championships. It's a problem every four years. Put all-star break. Well, all-star will be overseas. Okay, well, anyway, we'll get to that later. But the problem is the international competitions would fall during the season. That's the problem that the NBA has. They have to put an Olympic or a World Championship break in the season. Okay, get out of the NFL window entirely. Start on Christmas. Play until August. Have the have the NBA Championship somewhere in late August. You still have your eight-month season. Or you want to pick early September. You still have your eight-month season. You're completely out of the way of the NFL. And your regular season during the dog days, because the NFL ends in February. So from February, into February, all the way until late August, you're unopposed. I mean, there's baseball, but baseball and basketball fans usually don't mix. Usually basketball and football fans mix. Baseball and basketball fans don't mix. So you're running unopposed from February 8th to September 1st. They're just running all the goals. Um, and so I don't know why the NBA doesn't do that. They haven't done it. Probably won't do it because the finals in June is such a historic NBA tradition. But anyway. Oh, so as usual, we start the NBA. We're going to run through the standings. Um, so the East teams, the playoffs in today, would be the automatic qualifiers to the playoffs. Celtics, Bucks, Magic, 76ers, Pacers, Heat. And then the play-in tournament will feature Knicks versus Nets, which would be insane in New York City, especially because it'll be in the Garden. Uh, and then Cavs, uh, Raptors, which is interesting because the Raptors have several pieces, such as Pascal Siakam, 
OG and Anobi um, that a lot of the league is looking for. Um, a lot of the league is looking for um, long wing defenders, two-way guys. Um, and I think that uh, Pascal and OG would be two of the guys that they would be looking at. Um, Toronto, Masai Ujiri has a strategy of not trading these guys. Fred Van Vliet left for nothing. He could have got probably a first-round pick or two for Fred Van Vliet. OG Ananova, Pascal Siakam, they're, you know, once it's past February, there's a good chance those guys walk for nothing. Um, so, interesting strategy in Toronto, but all in all, in Toronto, is going right now be the 10th seed. And then out west, the automatic qualifiers are Minnesota, Oklahoma City, Dallas, Denver, the Lakers, and Sacramento. And then in the play-in tournament, it would be Rockets, Clippers, Pelicans, and Suns. Which is interesting seeing the Suns solo. They can't get their big three on the floor. And then the one time they got the big three on the floor, they lost to the Nets. Um, so basically a quarter of the way in, their big three has never played an NBA game together. Now, again, they ultimately fix uh, that last night uh, for the first time. They all come together, and um, they end up ultimately suffering a loss to the Brooklyn Nets, but they all scored the ball well. Bradley Bill was a little inefficient, uh, but their offensively is not even a problem. Their issue is going to lie in defense. The use of Nurkic trade was very shrewd. You're getting Nurkic in the uh, DeAndre Aiden package. Again, a very, very shrewd move. To help them out inside, uh, I mean, they have enough defenders. They just don't. Uh, Brian Woodhorse put out an article a day ago, a couple days ago, regarding what each championship contender needs. Uh, shout out to him, including the Pelicans. I appreciate that. Uh, but the, the Phoenix Suns need was just defense. Like they just need people who play defense. They have the offense. Nurkic can score. Of course, KD, Booker, and Beal. Like you have the offense. You need people that defend. Long, rangy defenders. Um, is what they need. Like they almost have to make a trip to the Lakers. Like the Lakers get uh, some of that offense, some of that shooting, and um, the Suns in turn pick up like Tory and Prince of Cam Reddish. Like they just need people who play defense. Um, and so that is what's going on in Phoenix. Uh, various people that's shocking me in the standings. I didn't think Orlando being third. I mean, I know they were winning basketball. Orlando's third. Uh, the Pacers are fifth. I know they were doing well in the end season tournament. They were like 6-0 in the tournament um, before getting smacked in the finals game. But Spaces being fifth. Timberwolves, um, I know, but Oklahoma City being second. Dallas is third. Um, so that's kind of a shock right now. Uh, like I said, the Suns being 10th. That's when you do the injuries. The Rockets are falling back down to earth as well. But, of course... The big news in the NBA, the news that made all the international sports shows, um, or yeah, shows in general, Draymond Green's latest incident, uh, this time with a roundhouse punch, and it's kind of a WWE slap, it's a slap, of Yusef Nurkic, uh, right now, who we were just talking about, uh, Yusef Nurkic of the Phoenix Suns. I mean, this is, this is getting out of hand, um. You know, I won't belabor all of the incidents. Uh, I won't, you know, pick apart every single one. Why this was wrong? Let me know about the the um, man private part region spree that he went on, uh, including LeBron and Stephen Adams. Um, 
You know, there's the incident with Jordan Poole before last season. There's choking out Rudy Gobert. Um, there is the hit of Ricky Yusuf Nurkic. There's the stomping of DeMontis Sabonis. I mean, within, I mean, he's got four major incidents within 15 months. This is the kind of thing that people begin to worry about if something's going on at home. Because, or in his personal life, and it's like, dude, there's no reason. Like, I mean, there's the tackle. Um, one of the guys that got in foul and didn't he ran all of them and quit and tackled the guy. I mean, it's just, yeah, one of those things where you begin to wonder, is something going on in his home? Is his home life, personal life, whatever, thrown off and he's just reacting the only way he knows how to react? I mean, he is from Saginaw, you know, the way Darvin Hand talks about Saginaw, Sag Nasty. Um, it's, you know, it's a rough and tough place. Maybe he's just fine with you know how. Um, but again, that's the kind of stuff, man. It's, I'm glad the NBA didn't put a number on it. And the NBA came down and suspended him indefinitely. Um, and they kind of did what they did with John Moran. Uh, John Moran got 25 games um, plus requirements. So, for game, 25 games, excuse me, contingent that he meets certain requirements, certain benchmarks. Draymond Green got indefinitely. Um, and his suspension will end once he meets those requirements and benchmarks. So, if he doesn't meet them all season, he's out all season. If he meets them in 10 games, he's back in 10 games. You know, it's one of those things where uh, Joe Dumar spoke about it. He didn't want the suspension to overshadow the act. So, he didn't want to say, Draymond suspended for the rest of the year. You know, and then all the stories talk about the suspension rather than the act. Um, and how what they're getting out of the game. So, I think the indefinite suspension was a good idea. Probably one of the few, uh, especially because it's hinging, it's hinged and contingent on the fact that he has to meet certain requirements. Probably uh, anger management, uh, some other things going on with him uh, in order for him to come back into the league. Um, he's suspended without pay. Each game he misses approximately one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I mean, the Warriors are already in a bad spot uh, on the court wise because Clay Thompson has not even made really any progress. So it was a contract extension or a new deal with the Warriors. So this really could be the last run over the Warriors. You've got Draymond Green, who they just resigned four years, $100 million, probably regret it. Um, you got Clay Thompson last year of his deal. Who knows what number he looks up or what number he'll feel is disrespectful. Um, you already moved off Jordan Poole, Kaminga, and Moody are really looking at trade chips. Chris Paul, who you brought in, is already injured. I mean, it's just Andre Dallas walked away. I mean, the Warriors, as we knew them, are over. Um, so now it's just how bad of a fall the Steph Curry experience while he's still on court. I mean, that's to be honest, what's going on here. But you know, he's sticking to Draymond Green. Um, I think he needs to get some help. I think something's going on with him personally, and it's being expressed on the basketball court. But this has got to stop, man. So within 18 months, you have post, you have punching Jordan, knocking out Jordan Poole, choking, stomping Demontis Sabonis' chest, punching Rudy Gobert, and then hitting Yusef Nurkic. So this has got to stop. It's a horrible look for the NBA. He's he's putting the NBA on a lot of channels that doesn't cover basketball for non-basketball reasons, which is the worst thing uh, Adam Silver could possibly want. Um, so hopefully they get that rectified and taken care of. Uh, Giannis with the game of his life uh, scoring 64 points adding in 14 rounds ended it with an incredibly emphatic slam 
and for about 20 30 minutes no one cared uh, because apparently a Pacers assistant coach came and got the game ball from the official with the intent of giving it to rookie Oscar Sheebush. Now, you know, Oscar Sheebush was a, a pretty dominant uh, defender, rebounder at Kentucky. He's now made his way into Indiana. You know, he got his first points last night. Well, correct. First point last night, he made a free throw. So the Indiana staffer, his assistant coach, went and got the ball, like I said, from the ref with the intent of giving it to Mr. Sheebush. Well, Giannis wanted the ball because Giannis went 60, went for 64, add again 14 rebounds. So Giannis wanted the ball. When Giannis found out the ball was already taken, he charges towards the Pacers locker room and is trying to get in the locker room in order to get the ball back. Um, they ended up, you know, Miles Turner told him to get the ball, which of course only incites him further. It was a whole fiasco for about 15, 20 minutes. And then he apparently bucks security, uh, go into the locker room and get the ball. Uh, Mark Cuban weighed in on his, uh, his side. He said that he would rather the rookie get the ball because of a big number like that. He would have the team sign the stat sheet and then frame it and give it to Giannis uh, for his big-time performance. So um, I think that Indiana's wrong here. Come on, man. Like, Oscar Shebae's first point is not in comparison to Giannis scoring for 64. Let's say he ran and took the ball away uh, from Giannis. It's a very, uh, to me, messed up situation. All right. So, let's address something. Actually, no, we're going to come back. We're going to do that last. We're going to do that last. I feel like I'm going to take personal offense to that. So, we're going to do that last. Oh, Anthony Davis and LeBron looking like one of the best one-two deals. One-two duos, one-two duos in the league. Anthony Davis was dominant. Of course, the NCAA tournament final, 41-20. He was dominant against uh, Dallas as well, just to come out victory. And then him and Wimbin Yama had a battle last night. And San Antonio, uh, LeBron James set out. And so Victor and Anthony Davis had a battle. They dunked over each other. They blocked each other's shots. Um, you know, they both made some good plays. Wimbin knocked down a couple of threes late to keep it more interesting than it should be. Anthony Davis was dominant on both ends of the floor. Got to figure out that free throw thing, but I'm sure he'll get it. I mean, it was just a, it was a wonderful show between Wendy and AD. But AD and LeBron, again, looked like one of the best one-two duos in basketball. Um, AD has been dominant on both ends. He's playing through injury. He has like a, a, a doctor uh, injury messing with his hip, and he is playing through it and playing incredibly well through it. LeBron, I mean, he's aging in terms of his vertical leap. That's about all you see as far as the client. I mean, he's still barreling on the lane, dunking. He's, people are still getting out of his way. He's still big tomahawk jamming. He's still chasing put out for chase down. It's like, man, he, he jumps a little bit less high. And in certain situations, old him could have caught somebody in a chase down that knew him's not trying. Um, got a little more cautious with his energy. But... That's it, man. It's like LeBron is real right now at 39 years old. He's got to be in the MVP discussion. He's top six at the NBA at the worst. Um, he's better than 99% of the league. Um, it's just, it's insane watching him do what he does at his age. We spoke about Victor Wimbanyama earlier. 
dude's ridiculous. Like what he's doing, he's doing stuff, especially since they moved him to center, that reasonably shouldn't be possible, right? Oh, that reasonably is like it doesn't make sense. He, you know, he got 20 and 20. Oh, you know, he went at it with Anthony Davis last night, a 30 point double double. Um, he is absolutely, again, ridiculous on both sides of the ball. You know, he'll block a shot, they go catch a lob and block another one, and now he's looking to take a three, and he's drilling all over the place, and it's just, he's an alien, dude. Like, LeBron Carmel, alien, dude's an alien. Like, that per, that big, that skilled, um, that young is a, it's a very, very insane combination um, just to keep your eye on it because it's like it doesn't make sense. Nothing about that makes sense. Your brain doesn't accept that. Um, but it is happening in front of you. Uh, Victor and me, I mean, he dunked against the Rockets. And then when the camera turned, Fred Van Vliet looked like an eighth grader cosplaying a college player. Like, cosplaying an adult. He looked that small um, next to Victor Wimbanyama. And it's just, I mean, he's real. He's all of the hype. Um, he is incredibly real. The Spurs have lost like 16 straight games. Not as bad as the Pistons lost 21. But the Spurs have lost like 16 straight games. But it ain't Victor's fault. He's out there doing the best he absolutely can. And he's just battling his tail off. I mean, I know he's not used to it. He's probably going a little stir-crazy um, with the uh, losing. But he is absolutely battling out there every single night. Uh, Popovich has to be encouraged. Uh, when being Yama's <coughs> numbers, they're actually wins, losses, statistics, all that. His losses are a little bit more, but his rebounding and scoring is a little bit higher than LeBron James in 03. So, for those who slander Wimby, LeBron was on the same path. Um, LeBron's a rookie of the year. I think Wimby does as well, regardless of his team's record. But lastly, on the NBA, and this is what I want to talk about. <coughs> the NBA... Nope, sorry. The New Orleans Pelicans were playing really well. They had won like a few games in a row. Pelicans fans, you know, were looking good. They were playing well. Zion was 25, 30 a night, 62% shooting. They're talking about how crazy efficient he was. And, you know, these numbers never been done. I hadn't been done in so long. And, you know, through X amount of games, he has the most points per game on the highest percentage in history. Like, it was insane. You know, it was. Pretty much on what you want to hear about your superstar player. And then he has an off game in the last knockout round. Here. So like 15 points. And he never take that many shots. But that was odd. But I didn't watch it. So that was odd. And then of course the big semifinal game. Pelicans. Lakers. You know. Pelicans have been out with these threes. Lakers are a three point shooting team. Uh, defense wise. I mean, it was perfectly set up for Zion. And he went into the toilet. Um, he looked out of shape. He looked like he wasn't interested. He said at the game, like he got, he got to show more effort. It just wasn't handed to him. Um, and he got it handed to him. <laughs> the Lakers were hot that night. LeBron knocking down three after three, uh, including a heat check three drill. Um, you have different people uh, attacking the Pelicans defense. Knocking down three after three after three. Uh, AD was dominant. 
and Zion looked like he was fat and out of shape and not interested. And after the game, he said he got to show more effort, which is the last thing you want to hear. Which a highly has compensated uh, player is that the last thing he has to learn is is um, that honesty isn't always the best policy with the media. Don't lie, but don't necessarily tell the truth. Um, Eli Manning, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, really good at saying a whole bunch of or speaking a whole lot and saying nothing. They're really good at that. It's, uh, quarterback speak. They'll say a whole bunch of stuff and none of it's useful um, because it's not quotable. It's not whatever. Anyway, so after this Lakers debacle, Stephen A. Smith goes on this Stephen A. Smith first take and said that he was told that New Orleans chefs are waiting to meet Zion because, and he quotes, they, that he'll eat the table in quotes. Are you bleeping serious? He'll eat the table, quote unquote. I mean, he'll eat the table. I mean that that's that's past fat joke. That's insulting. Now, Stephen A. did preface it multiple times by saying it's not his reporting; he's just hearing it. But that's ridiculous. Um, and so Zion goes out and balls in his table with 36 points. He doesn't begin to table with 36 points. Um, get a decent amount of rebounds. Crazy level of efficiency. And then on first take the next day, Stephen A. basically is saying, that, oh, yeah, yeah. You know what Zion said about coming from love? That's where I said it from. You know, we love you here. We just want you to succeed. Um, talk to your stepfather. Like, he's ain't even walking the thing back, but he definitely was not as aggressive as he was. Um, and... That is ridiculous for national media to be doing that. I mean, local media was slandering him, calling him fat, and then everyone was quiet after the TV was game. All was well. It was like nothing had ever happened. And that has to be a little disconcerting for a guy like Zion. You know, he was not necessarily, you know, he's been nationally famous since he was 16, but it's not necessarily something that you get accustomed to, you know. So uh, kudos to Zion for fighting it. Uh, kudos to him for winning the game with Tim Wolves, like I said, and just addressing uh, what was going on uh, with the media without going into it. If he pretty much said, if it comes from love, you know, thank you, uh, or I appreciate it, you know, I'm listening to it. If it comes from anything else, uh, thank you anyway. Um, and so that is a great attitude for Zion to have. That's ridiculous. And the fact that that stuff about, oh, he'll, he'll eat the table, only came out after the loss and not the wins before that, because they were undefeated in the tournament as well. Not the wins before that, but simply just the losses, ridiculous, shoddy reporting, um, especially if it's not a direct source. But up next, we're going to have Jack's hot take, which is Here Comes Dion. Deion Sanders, Colorado Buffaloes. Now, D- 
the Colorado Buffaloes was, it felt like everybody's favorite team from August to early October. And then the wheels kind of came off the bus a little bit for the team. The fandom love him. There were celebrities everywhere. Like they would come to all the games and they were showing up and showing out, especially at the TCU. I mean, Colorado State had like amigos on the sideline. Like Lil Wayne ran about one game. I mean, it was it was a show in in Boulder, Colorado. Um, felt like to me, Black America descended on Boulder, Colorado, which would have never said those words 12 months ago. Um, but that was the kind of the excitement that was brought around with Dion being hired at Colorado. And kind of the things college football experts warned many people about, I started to notice it too. They weren't very good. Like, they were good, but they had a problem, and that's their line of scrimmage. If they played 7-on-7, seven seven, they'd probably be in the college football playoff. Like Shadur and all those weapons. And that defense, that back four was nasty. And you had Travis Hunter, you had Shiloh Sanders. And that back set, that back seven was nasty. All the on offense. The offensive line was horrible. That defensive line may have been worse. Um, and you can't win football like that. So pretty much season goes off the rails and they go four and eight. They start off like three and one. End up going four and eight. But because they're not in a bowl game, that allows Deion Sanders to go on the road early. And he has picked up commitments from six offensive linemen in the transfer board. But five in the portal, and then the number one offensive tackle in the country out of IMG is going to go to Colorado. Now, getting the kid to sign on December 20th is a trick. But he went on Fox and did the big Fox announcement on Disputed. And, you know, he's going to be he's gonna be in Colorado. And there was a guard today that signed or that committed that I thought would have been huge for Dion. Uh, he's one of the top rated guards um he's one of the top 10 rated offensive linemen actually in um in college ball last season Dion didn't get him um that kind of hurt a little bit because I think he was the last guy that Dion was focusing on getting before moving on because he has an interesting recruiting strategy he's recruiting the whole country for one position so he went around the whole country for offensive linemen now he's going to go around the whole country for defense. So he's going to go around the whole country for defense. Like he's putting the pieces together on the one. Like he's getting commitments. Like he's got Will Shepard from Vanderbilt uh, as a receiver. Like he's getting commitments from other places. Especially because I think he wants to do less of the two-way of Travis Hunter. He's going to still let him do it. But I think he's going to be primarily a corner. And he's going to do less of the receiver stuff. Um, and so because he was full-time both until he got hurt. I mean, he was 120-plus snaps. Um, a game until he got hurt and then he had to kind of back off of it. But I think he's gonna do a lot more corner and pop minute receiver as opposed to letting him basically start on both sides of the ball. Um, and so Will Shepard's gonna be huge. He can play. I kind of I wanted him another shoot. He can play. Um, and that's gonna help Dion out, Shadur out, of course. Um, like he's got six offensive linemen coming. Reported, like I said, the guy. I mean, I know he was on that guard. Uh, the end of committing. I think he's gonna one more interior offensive lineman, and he's gonna go to the defensive line because he desperately, he desperately needs a defensive line as well. We're going to the Big 12, um, but here comes primetime Deion Sanders. Um, I think America needs to pay attention to this team. They're tough. They're gonna be tough. When we, when we know they can score the ball. All they needed was a little more time for Shador. Now they've got. Uh, top rated, two top rated transfers, depth, and the number one tackle in the country. I think they're going to be able to check them. 
Do I see them making the playoffs? No. Dion is already mentioning about, you know, making the playoffs, making the playoffs. No. But they could, depending on what division they get into in the Big 12. I can see them going 8-4, 9-3. and three. If you go 8-1 and one in conference, there's a good chance, unless there's a 9-0 team in conference, that you're in the playoff. So could they go 8-1 and one in conference? You know, 1-3 outside of it. Not, you know, 8-4, 9-3 or whatever. 8-4. And, and or 7-1 in conference, 1-3 outside of it. Go 8-4 and be in the conference championship game with a chance to win your in the playoff. Yes, because the playoff next year is 12 teams. The Big 12 is the automatic qualifier. Texas and Oklahoma's gone. They're going to the SEC. What dogs left? Legitimately. Oklahoma State. Kansas State. Kansas? Oh, I, I get it. It's Baylor. Oh, wait. No, no. It's, 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 it's TCU. It's BYU? You see how none of those programs are particularly interesting? And now the most captive, one of the most captivated country stories in the country, one of the most captivated coaches in the country, one of the best infrastructures in terms of being an attention seeker is coming into the Big 12. He's coming into Texas, where he was coaching high school football at Trinity Christian with Shador. He, he's, he's coming into Texas, where he was a Dallas Cowboy legend. And now he gets to recruit across the country and isolate one position. He's uh, fixing a little offensive line problem. I can only imagine what he uh, can do with an offensive line that's standing up. So now I say he's got to get the D-line straight. He's got the O-line. He needs about three D-linemen, preferably one top freshman, and then two more uh, good ones off the portal. And I think he'll have a team that can go get in the playoffs. Um, I mean, that's how close they were. I mean, they were five linemen away. I say three on offense, two on defense. They got the offense taken care of. Now they have to focus on the defense. Two or three defensive linemen that play like a lot, and then two or three more for depth purposes. That team could be in the playoff. The Colorado Buffaloes could be playoff bound in Dion's year two. But that is all I have for today. Uh, thank you guys for hanging in with me a little over an hour and 10 minutes. I appreciate you guys rocking with me. Um, hopefully, I'll have some big show news sooner rather than later. Uh, big stuff will be coming in 2024 for the show. Um, so, thank you guys for that. A uh, holiday schedule. Because Christmas and New Year's both fall on Monday, I will be having shows um, through the New Year. Um, I use, I sometimes take a break Christmas week. Uh, that's kind of a deadish period. Um, it is a dead period for instead of recruiting. It's kind of a deadish period uh, for the NFL. Um, I mean, they play games, but it's not really big news week. The NBA is pretty quiet, you know, when they play the big Christmas Day slate, and that's pretty much it. So if there's a show missing, it'd probably be Christmas week. Um, but I will definitely keep you guys updated on that uh, when it happens. But that is all I have for today. This is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out.